Thanks for listening to the Northridge Christian Podcast. At Northridge, we exist to help people move closer to Christ. We believe that following Jesus is a journey, and we want to help you through that journey any way we can. We pray that you grow in your walk with God through this message today. So prepare your heart and mind for this teaching by our discipleship pastor, Adam Scott. All right. Hey, how many of you love The Lion King? Anybody love it? Yeah, I love it too. How many of you are really hoping they don't mess it up in a month when the new one comes out? Yeah, me too. I want you to add that to your prayer list. I want, as a church, us to pray for that because that would be a major, major letdown. Hey, I love this movie, and it's got a lot of good truths to it that we can, we can pull out. And, and I especially love this scene. It's, it's one of my favorite scenes um, because throughout the movie, uh, Simba, the main character, has been learning some powerful things. He's, he's been learning about embracing who you are and where you came from. He's been learning things like remembering the kings from the past and the things that they've done. He's, he's been learning things like, like you've got to pay attention to your actions because they set up your future and they lead you where you want to go. The past matters throughout this movie, but here in this particular clip, Simba learns something else. He teaches that, that our past is not the only factor in determining our future. As a matter of fact, the past is not even the greatest factor in determining our future. What matters more than our past is how we choose to respond to it. And that's an important lesson. And I think it's more than just a, a, a Disney moral that our children need to learn. That's a spiritual message that you and I need to learn. We need to embrace this. We need to make this truth a part of our lives. Why? Because I believe sometimes we give the past more power than it deserves. Anybody agree with that? I believe sometimes we give the past more power than it deserves. Sometimes we allow a single mistake or a series of mistakes to become the system that we live by. Sometimes we allow our shortcomings to become the pattern that we shape our entire lives around. And sometimes we allow things that have happened to us to prevent us from experiencing all the things that God wants to do in us. Here's the good news, though, and this is loudly proclaimed throughout the book of Jonah, specifically in Jonah chapter 3. And I want you to write this down. Past events do not dictate future potential. Past mistakes or past events do not dictate future potential. The past will influence us on our journey to where we're going. That's just the truth. That's the reality. The past is going to influence. It's going to play a role in who we're becoming and where we are going. But get this, and don't miss it. By the grace of God, we are more than our past, and we are more than our failures. By the grace of God, our future is brighter than our past. By the grace of God, we can be set free from the weight of yesterday. Touch your neighbor and tell him, you need to lose some weight today. Tell them, I'm, I'm not moving forward until you tell them, you need to lose some weight today. All right, we're going to start marriage counseling next week. But now that you've let them know, I want you to understand, we're going to lose some weight together this morning because we're going to understand that the past is not a weight that we need to wear on our shoulders because Jesus Christ has taken care of it and we are moving on. Let's recap Jonah's story real fast. Um, in chapter 1, God commands Jonah, who's an Israelite, to go to Nineveh in Assyria and proclaim God's judgment against them. 
But if you've been here throughout this month, you know that's not what Jonah did. Jonah got nervous. He got scared. He even got a little bit angry and arrogant, and he decided he was going to run away from God's mission on his life. And he turned, and he ran in the opposite direction. Let me give you a quick spark note summary of what happened in the story. God gets mad. Fish gets hungry. Jonah gets eaten. Jonah gets humbled. Fish gets sick. And God gives Jonah a second chance. And that's where we're going to pick up with the story in Jonah chapter 3, starting in the first couple verses. Let me show you what it says. It says, Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message that I give to you. Now let me ask you, does anybody know what that message is going to be? It's going to be the exact same message that God had given him all the way back in chapter 1 before he ran away. You see, Jonah doesn't get a whole new mission. He doesn't get to move on to step two. Jonah gets a second chance at the same mission. This is not the mission that Jonah wanted. This is still not the mission that Jonah wanted. But Jonah learns a valuable lesson, and that's this. God's plan does not yield to our preferences. God sits on the throne whether we choose to yield to him or not. How many times do we try and set the terms for our relationship with God? I think we're all guilty of that on some level. Maybe we say things like, God, I'll give you Sunday morning. Look, it's hard to get up, but I'll give you Sunday morning because Sunday is a holy day, but the rest of the week, that belongs to me. Maybe we say or we think things like, God, I'll follow you in the ways that feel natural to me, in the ways that I'm wired, in the ways that are easy, but in the difficult stuff, the stuff that makes me uncomfortable, that's, not, that's just not the way that I'm wired. And, and God, I don't know that I can give you access to that part of my life. Sometimes we say or we think, God, I want to surrender my life to you, but look, your standard on this specific issue, and that's, that's too heavy a burden to carry. I don't understand it, and I can't surrender myself to it. Listen, that's what Jonah is going through right now. Jonah has been giving a percentage of himself, and he has learned quite painfully, I might add, from the belly of a fish, he's learned that it just doesn't work. And now he has this brand new understanding of God's authority. God's authority over him and God's authority over the Ninevites and God's authority even over the fish in the sea. And because of that, Jonah gets to model a lesson for you and I today. This is what he models. Our greatest future is often waiting in our broken past. Our greatest future is often waiting in our broken past. You see, Jonah would not reach his potential or his destiny until he revisited his broken past. In his past, he failed to yield to God. In his past, he failed to acknowledge God's sovereignty and power. He was stubborn and he was misguided and he was arrogant. Jonah is ready now, though, to move forward with God. He's ready to follow God and do the things that God wants him to do. But God reminds him. Before he can move forward, before he can experience all the things that God has in store for him, he has to go back and do the things that God has already asked him to do. Let me tell you, I, I, think, I think we often do the same thing that Jonah wants to do in this situation. You see, here's what I think often happens. It's kind of like when you're talking about allowance in your children. How many of you give your kids an allowance? 
How many of you have ever received? Y'all need to give your kids some allowance. I don't give my kid an allowance either. How many of y'all have ever received an allowance as a kid? Okay, we're getting a little bit more relatable. A lot of times we've got chores to do as a, as a kid that wants allowance, and, and we don't do the chores, but we go to our parents and we say, hey, I still want to receive the reward from the action I didn't give myself over to. You know what I'm talking about? Maybe it doesn't look like allowance for you, but, but you can probably relate to this on some level. Maybe it's, a, maybe it's a high school kid that says, look, coach, I really want to play in the championship. I really want to play in the championship. I know I wasn't on time for practice, and I know I didn't give 110% throughout the season, but man, I want to take advantage of this championship opportunity. Maybe it's an adult who says, look, I want to run the company. I want to be in charge. I want to be the one who calls the shots, but you haven't paid your dues to get to that point yet. Listen, God will not allow Jonah to experience step two, whatever that may be, without walking obediently through step one. There's an order to the events that have to happen. And get this, the flow of progress is stopped until he goes back and does the thing that God has already told him to do. Here's what that means. Listen, I believe that, I believe that God has a lot of good things in store for us. And a lot of times I believe that what he has in store for us, his blessings, the good things he wants to do in and through us is waiting in our last disobedience. Listen, even if you've been disobedient to God, I want you to understand that God still loves you. God still sent Jesus to die on the cross for you. God is still present in your life and you're still going to see his fingerprint on everything that you do. But get this, the degree to which we can experience and be used by him may only be discovered when we go back to the things that he has already told us to do. You see, a lot of people, we get to a point where we're ready to receive God's blessing. We're ready to move on to step two. We're ready to be used by him. We're wanting to follow him in whatever way he wants us to follow him. But God is in heaven saying, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Before you focus on those things, those are the next step. I want you to get involved in the things I've already told you to do. I want to make sure you're involved in community with other believers that's going to take you farther than you could ever go on your own. I want to make sure, I want to make sure that you're reading your Bible on a regular basis. I want, to, I want to make sure that you're praying. Those are the things that I've asked you to do. I want you to be tithing, just like Kevin talked about. And when you're obedient to the things he's already asked you to do, he's going to give you more and more things that you can do to follow him into the next phase of your life. Now listen, some of those things are basic, like the things that we just talked about. But let me tell you, those things get more and more personal as time goes on. Listen, out of this whole sermon that I've been thinking about and praying about, this is the thing that has kept me up at night as I've been working on this. Because see, I understand my heart. I understand where I've been. And I understand the choices that I've made. I know my disobedience even though you don't. Just like you know your disobedience and I don't. I know the things that I've done where I've turned away from God and embraced my own desires instead of the desires of God. And I can't bear the thought that I may reach the end of my life and never experience all that God has in store for me because I chose to surrender myself to those things instead of him. Listen, if that describes you, if you've got something in your life that you say, I have, I have held on to this more than I have held on to Jesus. 
I have been disobedient and I haven't gone back to deal with that. I want you to understand you're not disqualified. You're not out. But God may be giving you a second chance at that same mission. When possible, God calls us to go back, to deal with that, to be obedient, and to let him show up and work in our lives through that obedience. The things God has called us to in the past are often the gateway to the things he wants us to experience in the future. Let's move on in the story and see where Jonah goes from here. Jonah chapter 3, verses 3 through 4. It says, Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord. That was a good move. The last time he disobeyed, he was in the belly of a fish for three days. This was a good choice. Okay, Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord, and he went to Nineveh. Now, Nineveh was a very large city. It took three days to go through it. Jonah began by going a day's journey into the city, proclaiming 40 more days, and Nineveh will be overthrown. Listen, Jonah went to Nineveh, and he proclaimed the message that God had given him. Now, we don't know all the details, and it's possible that Jonah gave this huge speech, but, but even if that is the case, this as a summary, 40 more days and Nineveh will be overthrown, can only lead us to one conclusion, and that's the fact that Jonah was not very thorough in how he presented God's message to the Ninevites. You see, earlier in the book of Jonah, Jonah is talking about God to the sailors that are on a boat that ultimately throw him into the water so that he can be killed or, or eventually swallowed by a fish. He was pretty thorough in explaining who God was and what God was doing to those people. But when it comes to the Ninevites that God has sent him to, he gives them the bare minimum. He doesn't even say in this passage who it is that's going to overthrow them. He gives them the bare minimum. And I'm just speculating here. But I think it's possible that he may be giving them the bare minimum so that they will ultimately be destroyed. See, we already learned that Jonah didn't particularly care for the Ninevites. These were their sworn enemies, and he believes that God's punishment is deserved. And, and it's completely possible that in this experience, even as Jonah is obeying God's command to go to the Ninevites and, and to preach his message to them, he's still holding on to hope that God's grace would be withheld and given only to people like him instead of people like the Ninevites. Listen, his heart is still not in the right place but he's obedient to God anyway. And I want you to get this. When it comes to God, reluctant obedience is still obedience to God. Even when your heart is not in it, even when you don't feel like doing the things that God has called us to do, God can and will work in our, un, um, our, our undivided obedience to his commands and the things that he wants us to do. That's exactly what happens in this story. Let's keep reading in verse 5. It says the Ninevites believed God. Why? Because Jonah was obedient to God. The Ninevites believed God. A fast was proclaimed and all of them, from the greatest to the least, put on sackcloth. When Jonah's warning reached the king of Nineveh, he rose from his throne, took off his royal robes, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat down in the dust. This is the proclamation he issued in Nineveh. By the decree of the king and his nobles, do not let people or animals, herds or flocks, taste anything. Do not let them eat or drink, but let people and animals be covered with sackcloth. Let everyone call urgently on God. Let them give up their evil ways and their violence. Who knows, God may yet relent and with compassion turn from his fierce anger so that we will not perish. 
Listen, the king calls for national repentance. See, not only does he call for all people to fast and pray, he calls for the animals to fast. I want you to think about the last time you repented from something so hard that your dog didn't even go in the kitchen for a snack. That's repentance. That's serious stuff. This repentance of the Ninevites, this is genuine. It's sincere. It's not a half-hearted, I'm sorry. What the Ninevites are doing is they're surrendering themselves to God. And they're saying, God, we're turning away from our sin. We're turning away from the things that we've done. We're embracing who you are and what it is you have called us to do. Listen, I love the promise that these verses reveal. And here it is. The past is not a period. The past is not a period. And get this, I'm not talking about the Ninevites yet. We haven't got to God's response for them. We don't know yet in the story how God is going to respond to them. I'm talking about Jonah. Because God used Jonah to reach this group of people despite the fact that his past was dirty. Despite the fact that his past was filled with disobedience, despite the fact that his heart was not where it needed to be. His mistakes were not the end of the sentence. His past was not the end of what God wanted to do. Jonah was flawed, but God was able. Jonah was broken, but God wasn't finished. Listen, let me tell you why I think we struggle with this so much. See, this is why we want to write Jonah off and say, you were disobedient, you can't be used by God to accomplish great things. It's because we live in a world that emphasizes that on a daily basis. You see, we live in a world full of social media and lots of other ways that we record our thoughts. We record the things that we say, and we see time and time again from both sides of the political aisle. We see people that are trying to move forward in their future too often to be pulled back down because something from their past showed back up. You know, I was reading about that this week, somebody that posted something years and years and years ago, and it's come back to haunt them. And as a result, their future is completely destroyed because of something that happened in their past. Listen, here's what you need to know about God. God has a complete history of every word you've ever said, not just the ones you posted on social media. God has a complete history of every thought you have ever had. He has a complete history of every act you have ever committed. He should disqualify you. He should move past you and move towards somebody else who is better and more qualified to do great things. But instead, he uses messed up people like you, messed up people like me, and messed up people like Jonah to accomplish great things in the world. And that makes me wonder. It makes me wonder what in your mind disqualifies you from being used by God. What what have you done that's put a weight on your shoulders that you feel every time you come through these doors? A guilt full of shame and brokenness because you know what your past looks like and you don't feel worthy to come into God's presence, let alone be used by Him. What is it in your life that makes you that makes you discount because of your past every challenge we give to do something great for the kingdom of God. Listen, if the story of Jonah teaches us anything, it's that God is not done with you yet. 
God has a plan and a purpose, and it's not dependent upon your past. God can use you, and he wants to use you to accomplish great things in the world. The past is not a period. Well, let's see how this story wraps up. In Jonah chapter 3, verse 10, we find out exactly how God responds to those terrible Ninevites. This is what it says. When God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he relented. And he did not bring on them the destruction he had threatened. Listen, Nineveh's historical situation probably speaks into this a little bit. Nineveh, the whole kingdom of Assyria, they were not who they used to be. In this particular story, they were, they were at a particularly weak point. They were struggling a little bit. They, they didn't have the military power that they had once had. They didn't have the diplomatic power that they once had. There had been famine in their midst. There had been domestic uprisings that had taken place. And, and additionally, there was even a solar eclipse that had happened just recently before this occurred, which would have been a bad omen that convinced them something was wrong, Something was happening. They needed to change their ways. And as a result of all of that, they were probably pretty jittery when a prophet comes in and says, hey, you're about to be destroyed. That's why they were jittery. That's why they were obedient. That's why they were willing to listen to what this prophet said. But whatever the external circumstances, it was their heart that got the attention of God. You see, when they realized that something was wrong, when they realized they had, they had gone against God, they didn't deny it. They didn't argue it. They didn't defend it. They didn't justify it. Instead, they gave themselves over to God and said, God, I am sorry and I want to repent and I want to turn away from the things I have done that have broken your heart. And as a result of that decision, as a result of their heart, they learned a valuable lesson. A humble heart. I'm going to show you right here. A humble heart moves God. A humble heart moves God. You see, God had a plan, but when the Ninevites changed their direction, he changed his. He was moved by the heart of the people. You know, this reminded me of a story that I saw on Facebook this week. It was a video of a, of a tennis match that took place, um, I believe it was somewhere in France. I don't watch a lot of tennis, so don't quote me on a lot of the details. But I got the important part that involves tears, okay? Okay. There was this, this tennis player that was in this extreme important match and he was, he was playing with all of his heart and ultimately he lost the match. And when he lost the match, his son comes running out and wraps his arms around him and it became an incredibly emotional experience for everybody that was there. Now, what impressed me is not his son and the attitude that he had or even the dad. See, if I were broken, my kids would come running out to me too. Now, if I'm not broken, they're going to do everything in their power to break me. Um, but if I'm broken, and if I'm struggling, and if I'm hurting, if I've just lost this match that has crushed my spirit and absolutely destroyed me, they're going to run out, and they're going to wrap their arms around me, and they're going to try and encourage me. That's normal. But what amazed me about this experience was to watch the opponent. The guy who had just beat him became teary-eyed. By the end of it, he was sobbing his eyes out as he stood and applauded this man and his experience with his son. See, I think what's cool about this is that the winner of the match went from being this strong, fierce competitor, this, this cutthroat enemy that would do whatever it took to destroy you, to being a sobbing spectator who cried his eyes out watching a son and a father have a special 
moment. See, I love this because, because this man was moved by the heart of the little boy. Listen, maybe you need to know that God is just as passionate about your change in heart. Maybe you need to know today that, that he's not against you. Instead, he's applauding with tears in his eyes when somebody surrenders their life to him. He's not discounting you because of the times that you've tried and failed. He is for you, and he is moved by your heart when you surrender yourself to him. My question is simply this. Do you have a humble heart that's surrendered to him? Are you humble and ready to listen to the things he says to you? Are you ready to be obedient and follow him wherever he leads? Listen, maybe, maybe you're a runaway servant, just like Jonah that's struggling with obedience to God. Maybe, maybe you've let selfishness or apathy distance you from an attitude of surrender. Maybe you've been living apart from God, unaware of his authority over your life. Maybe you've been letting your past dictate your future. Maybe you have nowhere to run but to Jesus. Listen, more than anything else today, I want you to understand that God loves you. He's ready to receive you, and he has plans for your tomorrow. He wants to lead you past these moments and towards the great things he has in store for you, and he wants to use you to change the world. Isaiah chapter 43 says, forget the former things, do not dwell on the past. In Philippians chapter 3 verses 13 and 14, Paul says, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Jesus Christ. Listen, can you imagine what would happen if we as a church embrace that? If we said we're going to stop building our foundation on our past and our failures and our mistakes and our guilt and our shame and we're going to turn towards Jesus Christ and we're going to build our foundation on him and who he says we are and we're going to move forward with an attitude that says God can and will use me to make a difference in the lives of the people he puts in my path. Listen, if we would embrace the fact that we are not defined by our past, we are defined by who God says we are, there will be no stopping us. And God will use Northridge Christian Church and the people that are here to change the world around us all the way to the ends of the earth. Listen, trust him, follow him, humble yourselves and go where he leads. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we, we come before you with humble hearts, humble attitudes, ready to be obedient to you and you alone. God, our past is constantly calling out to us, telling us that we're not enough, telling us that we're a failure, telling us that God can't and won't use us, telling us that God is mad at us, telling us that we have to live our lives in this place of guilt and shame that keeps us broken and down and unable to accomplish the things that God has in store for us. But God, we turn to you now knowing that you have a different message for us. God, you have a plan and a purpose for our lives. You have forgiven us. You have walked this earth through Jesus Christ to die on the cross so that we could move past those things that hold us back. God, I pray that we would embrace that in this place today. And I pray that in doing that, God, you would move in our hearts, move in our lives, and move in our church so that we can make a difference for you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 
Listen, if you're wrestling with your past, if you're struggling with something, if you've been held down for too long, we want to invite you to come forward. We're going to have some people standing up here at the front that would love the opportunity to pray with you, encourage you, and share God's love with you. We are not a church that wants to judge you for anything you've done in your past. We want to love you for what God is going to do with you in the future. Stand up and we're going to sing the song together. Thanks for listening to this message. You can keep up with what's happening at Northridge on your mobile device through our Northridge Christian app. If you have any questions about Northridge, you can contact us at info at